We, uh, as human beings, have a tendency to repeat stupid behavior. Okay? We just do. We are bent on our own destruction. And if it weren't for the grace of God, especially as demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ, where would we be? As you're finding Deuteronomy chapter 9... I was sent a very appropriate video this week to sort of uh, indicate how foolish we are, especially since the Bible calls us sheep. So if you look up here at the screen, this is, this is, this is how we are. That's a sheep stuck in a ditch. Pull him out of there. I'm free. I'm free to be me. Yay! <laughs> and what I love best about it is that there's an actual slow-mo frame of the moment of decision. Right into it again. Now you know that's us, right? That's what we do. That's what we do. You say, why on earth would you show a video of a sheep falling into a ditch? Because all we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way. But even in that, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. The world right now is, is reeling out of control. It is literally in a death spiral. Um, some have even used the, I, I've even thought about the analogy of uh, before a tsunami hits, there's a major shaking. We, all, we know that to be an earthquake. But then there's, there's peace on the edge of the ocean there. Nothing's bad, nothing's happening. Okay, we'll go about our business. We begin to notice that the, the ocean is calm after all. But it begins to get a little low. Little do we realize that out there, miles out, there's this huge wave building coming at us at, I forget how, how, how many, well over 100 mile an hour coming and building speed as it comes and crashes into the side of those beach uh, properties. That's, that's kind of where we are now. What do we do? There's much that we can't do as Christians right now. Much we cannot do. For example, you can't make your lost friends listen to you when you want to share the gospel with them. You, you cannot make them... Well, even if you guilt them to listen to you, you can't make them hear you. You get that glossed overlook when you try to share Jesus with them. Uh, I've mentioned that I think the fields are pretty... They look pretty sparse under harvest right now. But I believe they're there because God says they are. So what I want to do is show us how burdened people pray. Because I'm reading a new book by Erwin Lutzer called uh, uh, We Shall Not Be Silent. It's brand new. Forward's written by Dr. David Jeremiah. And Erwin Lutzer, who's the pastor of Moody Bible Church there in Chicago, uh, wrote this book explaining where we are, how we got here, and where it's going. And it's a heavy, very sobering read. 
And in it, even in the very front chapters, he says what we can do is the most we can do when we really take up our mantle as being a prayer, a, a burdened, prayerful people as God's church. We may not have the audience right now to be able to share Christ on a mass level to fellow Americans, but we do have the opportunity to be interceding for them. No one can stop us from doing that. So I want to I was I want to show you Deuteronomy chapter nine this this morning real quick. I was reading through and my just it's amazing what you can do whenever you commit to a yearly Bible reading schedule and just going through the book of Deuteronomy and and what we have in Deuteronomy chapter nine is simply a replay of events as Moses is remembering them in Exodus chapter thirty two. So Exodus thirty two gives you the end of the the the. The, the narrative of when Moses went up on the mountain to be with God, the people were too afraid to listen. He's up there, he gets the Ten Commandments. He comes back down because God said, get down, the people have corrupted themselves. Exodus 32 says that he comes down, he throws them on the ground and breaks what God made because the people had broken the covenant. And then we read that how Moses uh, went down in Exodus 32 and he begins to chew on Aaron. What did you do this for? And then he grinds up that calf and he makes it into powder and then he begins to scold the people and there's a, you know, a great divide and if you're for the Lord, stand over here and if you're not, stand over here. And it was a big event. But when you read Deuteronomy 9, you get insights into the, what happened there in a different point of view. For example, the biggest thing is, as Moses is writing in Deuteronomy 9, he, he knows that he's not going to be able to go into the promised land, and he simply, before, he, before God takes him away to heaven, he's causing them to remember where they've come from, and especially to remember their failings, because he's, he keeps saying, you're, you're so prone to messing up all the time, like that sheep that jumped right back into the ditch. So verse 3 of chapter 9, he says, Understand today that the Lord your God is He who goes before you as a consuming fire. God is still a consuming fire. And He's going to drive out everyone or all of your enemies before you. God's going to do it. He said He will. Don't think in verses 4 and 5 and so on that it's because you're so righteous you're not. He's giving you this land to possess because of who he is, not how great you are. And then finally, he reminds them from the day that you departed from the, in verse 7, from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been, a re, been rebellious against the Lord. And then he reminds them how he said, God wanted to destroy you when you did that with the golden calf. He wanted to wipe you out. But I prayed for you. And then he gets into talking about that, how that happened. And this is where I want to turn to. So we hear often about how we need to be a, prairie, a praying people. And the place and the, and the purpose of where our nation is today is in destruction. And I want to just want to say this. With the passing of the Equality Act, which is going to have major implications for the church in the coming days, where it'll be illegal to read some of the Genesis narrative about male and female being the only two options of God's creation for sex, okay? And then when we read about Romans, where it talks specifically against homosexuality, 
it's going to come a point under that that they're going to have to finally do something to silence such uh, what they would call hateful rhetoric. That's where that's going. Okay, It's going to be illegal if you play that equality out to its logical conclusion. In many ways, like it is in areas of Canada today. Okay, What can we do? Furthermore, are we burdened enough by it, or are we just saying, well, I know there's been a shaking, but everything's peaceful right now. I think I'll continue to sip on my, my drink. Meanwhile, there's this huge wave that is coming. If you all remember the big tsunami that happened in Thailand years ago, that's what's coming. Well, this is also, as Erwin Lutzer writes in his book, a perfect time to be the church. So real quick, what I want to do is go through with Moses, beginning in verse 16. This is how burdened people pray. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God, had made yourselves a molded calf. And he has an exclamation point here. You had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. A burdened person prays because they understand the seriousness of the hour. Do we understand the seriousness of the hour? When COVID first happened, we talked about as a church how things have changed now. And they have changed fast and they're changing rapidly. We have to come to grips with it. We can no longer stick our head in the sand and say, doesn't affect me. I'm glad I live in Idaho. Because don't think for one second that being in Idaho is going to insulate you from all that that involves. It will not. Things like that are going on right now at the risk of sounding sensational, but with all seriousness, I want to tell you this, the things that are being promoted right now bring blood in the end and chaos you don't have enough ammunition to fight that you have god and we need to be the church so we have to understand the seriousness of the hour they're playing for keeps they are off the hook going as fast as they can we need to demonstrate likewise in like fashion with the one weapon that is so formidable that not even hell can stand against it. And that's on our knees in prayer and asking God to move. He who sits in the heavens will laugh and he shall hold them in derision because they seek to cast off and loose the bonds from his sovereign rule. That's Psalms 2. So, understand the seriousness of the hour. Verse uh, 18 Verse 17, then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. So he was somewhere halfway down enough, but elevated enough for them to all see him. But God was up here. He was in between. I'm so glad we have a mediator, Jesus. I'm so glad we have the presence of the Holy Spirit to give us the power to go through a time like this, to be able to speak with boldness and to have wisdom to understand. He threw those tablets down and then verse 18 says, and, I, and, and notice what he says, I fell down before the Lord 
As at the first 40 days and 40 nights, I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin, which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. A burdened people prays, a burdened person prays because they have a desperate need to get low before God. That's how they pray. They need to get low. I don't think we can afford speaking metaphorically here to pray on our feet anymore it's so serious that we need to get low Moses was he could have just stood there and said well you guys Lord would you no he was on his face he threw himself down because do you know what Moses knew that they didn't know that God is a consuming fire and He wants to destroy them in an instant. He knew that He was the only one at the moment to stand between. This is the difference between the Exodus 32 part is that I thought it was all one scene, right? He went back up or, or maybe He stayed where He was, but He didn't move one foot forward. He got low quick. He dropped down and notice what it says there as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. He had just spent 40 days and 40 nights. He saw what happened. He spent another 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. Do you know why? Because destruction was determined. Destruction is determined now. What is the church doing? I think we need to do what Moses did. So, do we have a desperate need to get low before God? Also in verse 18, it says, they fast because the need is so detrimental. You pray when you're concerned about things. You fast and pray when what you're praying about or what you need is detrimental. I'm going to challenge us to this. On Corporate Prayer Sundays, for those of you who want to, I propose that on the Saturday before the Sunday, service that we fast we begin a fast together and we fast until the following till noon the sunday from saturday noon to sunday noon if you have blood sugar problems you can't do that then don't worry if you don't have any of those reasons then how burdened are we because some things jesus said only go out by prayer and fasting it's a mystery to me but i'm just telling you moses knew that the need was so bad that the hour is so severe that that's what he needed to do. In verse 19, I was afraid. Notice what he said of the anger of the hot and hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. Well, that's a given. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. What makes us think God won't listen to us when we go before him and say, God, we're in desperate straits. We know that we're mocking you as a nation. We know that our lost loved ones are comfortable. They have money, they have food, but all that can change quickly. Lord, we know that there is a fight between uh, heaven and earth right now that the devil is doing all he can to mock your creation order. What can we do, Lord? Here we are. Use us. Send us. Cause people to want to listen to the gospel, God. And we get specific as it says in verse 20, and the Lord was very angry with Aaron... And would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at that time. That's why I say, 
burdened people pray because, and they intercede for specific people. Are you burdened for anyone that you know the wrath of God is abiding on? Well, the Bible says that if, if you don't know Christ and you're living in a wicked heart of unbelief, the wrath of God does abide upon you already. But now amplify that in a culture like this. We got a lot of things to pray about. He goes on to write, Then I took your sin, (laughs) I like that, the calf which you had made, and burned it with fire, and crushed it, and ground it very small, until it was as fine as dust, and I threw its dust into the brook that descended from the mountain. And all of this is this imagery that he's using, and that what he did was he took that which caused them to stumble, and he obliterated it. And sin in our life needs to be done the same way. That's why intercessors or how burdened people pray, they do all they can to make restitution. We must mind the sin in our life. We must deal with it. It's enough. We cannot afford to walk around with rocks in our shoes. We're called to run. And this is the race. And it's now. It's happening now. That America, one of the things that Irwin said in his book, and he said, and he wrote it as a as a as a independent clause, the America that we knew is no more. Period. And it's true. This is this is it. And it's a time for the church to rise and take that which God has given her. And we have that power. Also at Tibera and Massa and Kibrath Hatava, you provoked the Lord to wrath, he writes. Likewise, in verse 23, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, go up and possess the land which I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you did not believe Him, nor obey His command. You have been rebellious against the Lord. Verse 25 then. Thus, now this is, here it is again, and I got a line drawn from 18 down to this verse. Thus I prostrated myself before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. I kept, notice this, I kept prostrating myself because the Lord had said He would destroy you. They never cease prostrating themselves before God. When people have a burden to pray, they never get up. Now, that doesn't mean you stay in your house and you pray all day, but wherever you go in your heart, you're getting low. And when you can physically do it, you do it. Prostration. Do you know what that looks like? Have you all ever seen anyone get prostrate before the Lord? It's a very, it's a sudden thing. You're walking. Moses was there and he just fell on his face. He just got on his face. He's laid out. He knows the wrath of God is imminent. Make no mistake. With everything that America is doing right now, the wrath of God is imminent. Imminent. How low are we? Therefore I prayed. (laughs) That's just what he did to the Lord and said, O Lord God, do not destroy your people. And your inheritance, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. They never cease interceding for the people, 
people that are burdened with prayer. And also, to finish up here, notice what he says in verse 27. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on the stubbornness of this people or the wickedness of their sin, lest the land from which you brought us should say, because the Lord was not able to bring them to the land He had promised them, and because He hated them, He has brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. Yet, in verse 29, they are your people and your inheritance, whom you brought out by your mighty power and your outstretched arm, people that are burdened with prayer, plead for the mercy and promises of God. Do you? Do I? Because it's time. The hour is literally that serious. It cannot be minimized. So what I want to do at this moment, I want us to enter into a time of corporate prayer. No fanfare, it's very simple. And we're going to begin to pray. And just like if you remember the last time, if there is no burden in your heart, you need to beeline to the altar and ask for one. If you confess to be a Christian and you do not have a burden for your nation, for your loved ones that are lost, for your own sin in your own life, you need to make a beeline for the altar and say, God, have mercy on me and fill me with burden. And this would be the side you'd come to pray by yourself. If you have such a load, coming over here would indicate that you would like for someone to come pray with you for your burden. To pray for your nation. To understand the seriousness of the hour and to get before God with that. And as a Christian, to exercise your God-given right to approach the throne of grace. If you don't know Jesus, this is where you need to come because it's before the cross and you need Jesus. I don't know how much time you have. And I'm sure not trying to scare you, but if I was you, I would be. Because the Bible tells us if you reject the truth in the hour of grace when it's given to you and as the onslaught of the wicked one comes to bear and the propaganda machine rolls out of hell, you're going to stop believing even for an instant the truth because you, re- you reject it, you won't believe it, and you will believe the lie. So don't say, I'll, tr- I'll try later. You're going to go right down the line of the propaganda machine right out of the brimstone press. And that's where you'll be. So as JT begins to play, The altar is open. Corporate prayer is beginning. As you come, and whoever wants to, if you want to lead the church in a prayer, the microphone is here too. But it's time that we pray together.